Now last week, I started talking to you about process in that the kingdom of God or Christianity itself or a more churchy term like our walk with God, our relationship with Jesus, this is not, these things, the installment of the kingdom of God. So when I'm including our walk with God, our relationship with God, whenever I say the kingdom of God, that's what I'm talking about. And the kingdom of God also means the will of God, what God wants for you, what God wants for the globe, what God wants for your family, that's the kingdom of God. And he wants to install that into your life. But you're gonna have to be willing to cast aside things. You're gonna have to be willing to say, you know what, it may crush me, but I was wrong. You have to be willing to do that or the kingdom of God will be your 40 year desert that was supposed to be 11 days. The kingdom of God is a process, it's just not a long process. And that's what I wanna, t- I wanna talk to you this morning about the process to instant. The process to instant. Last week I said the kingdom of God is not a long-term process, but I didn't say it wasn't a, a process. Let me just read you this because the scripture just popped into my mind and I just want to use this as an illustration to show you that if you want the kingdom of God installed, there's a process that's gonna have to take place. And it's a process that can be a horse pill. How do I I know that we need it? How do you know if you need the kingdom of God installed into your life? How do you know? I'm, I'm letting that marinate on purpose. I'm making you actually uncomfortable. You might be thinking, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable at all. My heart rate's not up at all. It's all about fruit. Tom, you've been talking about that for six weeks. That's correct. You know everything by fruit. Everything. So if things, do not, if things are not the kingdom of God in your life, that means the kingdom of God needs to be installed. If there's no perpetual miracles, if you don't live in perpetual joy, Tom, that's just not possible. Who told you that? The Bible tells you in Nehemiah 8.10, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you choose to have days where the joy of the Lord isn't your strength? Well, you know, our family has a history of bipolar. No, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All of that has been rendered null and void. As the song, the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, that we just sang, he brings his blessings to everywhere the curse is located. Not to dwell with the curse, but to, draw, to drive out the curse. The strong man does not live with the curse. This is Romans chapter seven, verse 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And that's right after you have what I call the I do's. In Romans chapter seven, starting in verse 15, and it runs through verse 20, where Paul is constantly saying, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those things I continue to do. 
The greatest soul winner in the world was struggling, doing things he shouldn't have been doing and not doing things that he should have been doing. So if you are there, understand that's where we all are. Now what, now here's the, here's the litmus test. Will you receive correction? That's, that's, listen, he who hates correction will die. Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. It's Proverbs 15, 10. You, if correction is not part of your body of believers, you're attending the wrong party of, uh, body of believers. You should be nervous when you come into church. Like what, what, what monument to myself is that guy gonna tear down today? Is he gonna pull down all of my portraits that I have painted of myself all around the house? Maybe you probably, some people, I'm gonna talk about delusion in a minute. Some people actually encompass other people into their delusions. Now we should have seen this over the last 45 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. We should have seen it. Because people can be roped into other people's delusions very easily. There might be people, I don't know. There might be people in this room that you wore a mask because you were afraid of societal consequences of not wearing a mask. I don't really want to make anybody uncomfortable. For me, when people gave me, gave me the stink eye walking through Home Depot without a mask on, in Inglewood Hospital without a mask on, you're like, Tom, you walked, yeah, I walked right, I sat in the emergency room in the height of COVID. And it was jam-packed full of non-COVID patients. Wasn't a soul in there with COVID, but everybody masked from eyeball to chin. And I sat there like this with a defiant look on my face. Because I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't sick. I was there to visit somebody who was sick. And I walked through Home Depot and I got all these people giving me the stink eye and I just look at them. I'm not, I am not gonna be drawn into your delusions. But people do that. Mainly husbands draw their wives into their delusions. Listen, wife, I just want you to tell me how great I am every day, and she'll do it to keep the peace. No, he needs to hear what's true. She may need to hear what's true. You're like, Tom, why do you always talk about this every Sunday? Because I have been in Christianity. I got saved in 1987. The most delusional people I've ever met are Christians. Absolutely delusional because it, get, it gets dangerous when you ignore the Holy Ghost. The world's not ignoring the Holy Ghost. You ever wonder why in 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning? How are, how are you worse off than hellbound? Because you've inoculated yourself to be in heaven bound. It's dangerous to ignore the Holy Ghost. So I try to usher in a spirit of correction into homes so that you're not enabling each other. It's not a codependent relationship. Tell me I'm okay, and I'll tell you you're okay. And that way we'll live at peace here in the house. No, listen, if you have an alcoholic in the house, go tell him. No, if you don't, if you don't repent of your alcoholism, you're gonna die, go straight to hell. Tell him that right to his face. I told my kids that when we were potty training. Actually, not kids. 
I did. It was actually just Norma, not Tommy. And all the Christian books said, you know what, don't, don't uh, threaten your kids or ult- put ultimatums. All the Christian books. When it comes to potty training, it needs to be sort of this, or- you know, this needs to be this organic system. No. I just asked you, what are you doing, Norma? Nothing. That's a lie. You're pooping in your pants. You went and you hid behind a door and you pooped in your pants. You're like, you told that to a two-year-old? Absolutely. Absolutely. All, I, whether it was lying, what, no matter what it was with my kids. I don't care how old they were. I used to tell them things like this. You know what? You're never going to see your mom in heaven because you're going to be burning in hell for all of eternity because you're a liar. You told them that was there before? Absolutely. How are your kids doing in comparison to mine? That's the Bible. The Bible's infallible. I, I, don't, I don't bow to Dr. Oz. I don't bow to Oprah. I don't bow to any of the Christian psychiatrists. I go with what the Word of God says. What's the applicable verse for this situation? Uh, well, you know, you have to, you know, dilute it down for age. It's not a Bible verse. Where did you get that from? Dilute it down for age. Where's that in the Bible? Show it to me. You better know it now. Because I do. Don't come to me with those two vaunted words, I believe. That means, that means less to me than the tissue that I used to wipe my nose prior to the service. That, that, that snot-filled tissue has more value to me than what you believe. If you're going to compare it to the Bible. Boy, I got quiet with that one. I always just apply the Bible to whatever situation is. That's the way it is. So you have to be willing to apply the Bible. If you're a husband that doesn't love his wife like Christ loved the church, you need to apply the Bible. I'm going on a, I'm going on a, a two-day vacation today. Okay, let me tell you something. My wife hate when, hates when I talk about, this is driving me nuts. How's this thing wobbling? Anyway. Travis, have that fixed by next Sunday. (laughs) You know how I ended up going on this vacation? Running my mouth. You're like, Tom, don't you want to go on vacation? No, I hate vacations. Like, who hates vacations? I do. Like, why? Because I like my routine. I do. I like my routine. I don't like that. Now I got to pack up and... Oh, yeah, Hope packed up. (laughs) Hope has to pack up. Get there. Actually, I do nothing but sit and then either fly or drive. So here's what happened was. I went to hear Ann Kett preach in Sarasota, and after the the service, I met with Pastor Rodney for a while, and then um, I met, just just in a friendly way, met with the Delgados, who you've met here at the church. Very successful businessman, multi, multi, multi multi-millionaire. And I was sitting in the back of his Van, but van is not the apropos term for that vehicle. Okay, this is like decked out. This could be on cribs, MTV cribs. I mean, it's like, it's decked out. I mean, giant big screen TV, lounge seats, a bathroom. 
Yeah, it's like, so I'm just sitting in there and I'm talking to him. And, and Christy says to Miguel, she, they're talking about, you know, she goes, all I want is, and this was just a very lighthearted conversation, but she goes, you know, all I want is just to be with him alone. Because they're, they're, they're in the throes of little tiny kids and everything else. And I said to Miguel, I said, don't, now he, I said, did you hear that? I said, don't be like me, because my wife has been saying that for 15 years to me. 15 years. I would just want, you guys don't have to be dead silent. This is actually a light story. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not about to tell you that Hope and I are separating. <laughs> so I told, I told Miguel, I said, you got, you got to do it. Now, see, now I'm running my mouth. I said, don't be like me, because my wife has been saying, you know what? I just want a weekend with you alone. Every now and then, you know, every couple years, whatever, whatever it was. And I have said, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And I've been on that streak now <laughs> since I was 40, and now I'm 55, and maybe even before that, because we've been married for 27 years. So it's been a long time. And, and I literally, I'm trying to remember the last time we did anything like this. I think it was, uh, well, yeah, our kids were like... Yeah, oh, that's right, that's right. There's one Sarasota thing. I think our kids were in the single digits, in ages, yeah, and they cried. But, so Miguel says to me, okay, he goes, well, if I'm gonna do it, then you have to do it. <laughs> and here's the thing, there's like no escape, because Miguel can do anything he wants whenever he wants. This is a guy who owns a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a McLaren. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. He goes, you know what I'm gonna do? He goes, you know, I'm gonna send you my driver in this van to pick you up and drive you to wherever you want to go for a weekend. And I'm paying for the entire thing. You're like, Tom, you should feel so blessed. Actually, I felt boxed in. <laughs> now there's nowhere to go. I can't run, I can't hide, there's no getting out. So, when I, well, you'll see me if I, I don't know what time I'll be leaving the church, the, uh, church building, but <clears throat> I'm getting into a van and driving to, well, I'm not driving, I'm with Miguel's driver is driving me to, uh, to West Palm, to the breakers in West Palm for the weekend, for the rest of the weekend. But be better than me. Don't be boxed in like that. If you know that God is telling you to change things, you know, I'm using marriage as an example but whatever it is, you apply the word of God. If your wife says to you, I just want time alone with you. Okay, just like God does, and you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church, then why aren't you giving it to him? Well, I don't feel like it. That's not, is that what you're gonna say on the day of judgment? That's what most people are gonna say is, well, Lord, I really didn't believe that. So you think that's gonna matter on the day of judgment? Oh, since you didn't believe it. Then the whole Bible, you know, I'm just going to change the word. I'm going to change Jesus because he is the word. I'm just going to change everything because you didn't believe it. It's like when you try to share Christ with people. I don't really believe that. It's not going to matter on the day of judgment. Well, you believe it. And I'm not talking about you're going to hell because you're not the world's greatest husband. I'm not saying that. But you're still going to be judged for it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You're like, everyone thinks it's just uh, delineated heaven, hell. No, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
So we will receive those things. Sin is now taken away from us if you're saved and you endure and you endure until the end. But everything else you'll still answer for. God's gonna tell you. You know, you really stunk it up as a spouse. Great mom, terrible spouse. You never missed one of your kids' baseball games, but you know your wife wanted you to be romantic for the 48 years you were married and you never did it. You're gonna answer for it. Because the word of God has to be applied. Love her like Christ loved the church. Amen. So I didn't say last week that there is no process. Just remember, it's not a long process. And what we're going to do is go into the short process to get to the instant. Where results in your life are instant. Is that what God wants? Let's check. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom. Now, how many of you can honestly say that you are receiving the kingdom of God? Or did you receive it when you got saved and it ended? Got quiet on that one. I'm, listen, I'm glad you're quiet. I'm glad you're honest with yourself. If you're, you, if you're someone like me, I appreciate transparency and honesty. When you come up here and you're 55 years old and you say that you wasted 50 years, most of your Christianity... I appreciate honesty. So how many of us can say, we are receiving the kingdom of God? Every day, I'm receiving things from God. Not I got saved 14 years ago. I got saved 40 years ago. And then that was it. It's, it's very akin, once again, to a marriage because we are the bride of Christ, amen? So we're the bride of Christ. So how do we treat God? Think, of, think, think about it if you got married and then cut off communication with your spouse and just lived in separate rooms. That's how most Christians are with God. God's not welcome to intercede in their life. They're actually Lord. They receive Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. Think about it, how, how, what, what kind of marriage it would be if you didn't talk, if you didn't touch. That's mo- Every day is supposed to be receiving from God. Every single day is an interaction between you and God. Most Christians don't pray every day. Most Christians don't study the word every day. If you're married, you should be seeing your spouse every day, not, not that poor wife you say, oh, I just never see him during the week. It shouldn't be that way. It's not a relationship. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a, say it better, a consuming fire. He, he's not, he is not a fire pit. You know, everyone buys those Home Depot fire pits for their backyard, those steel pots and everyone stand, sits around them. He's not to be contained by you. Lord, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to go consuming fire. We're going to go campfire. Still a sea. It's still a sea. I'm just, I'm just removing the assuming uh, out. And I'm just, I'm just going to put camp there. It's like, for the Lord your God, is a campfire. Lord, occasionally I'm going to roast some marshmallows on you. It's all on my terms. You're nice and you're cordoned off. Whatever I want from you, you know what? If, if I want to roast some marshmallows... I want to roast some hot dogs, whatever, whatever I want, Lord, I'm coming to the fire. That's not how it is. 
He's a consuming fire, you're out of the will of God. And miserable. There's no path to happiness except being consumed by God. There's nothing. Why do you keep trying? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. There's only one way to be happy, and that is for God to be Lord. You're like, well, that's just not democracy. It's not in the Bible. Democracy's not in the Bible. Federalism is in the Bible, and I love both those things. So you have to choose. 11 days is a process. Would everybody agree? 11 days is not instant. And by the way, it's, there even there's some argument with theologians. And what am I talking about? How long, how long it took the Israelites to go from Egypt to the promised land. It was supposed to take 11 days. There's argument that if they went through the Philistine camp, they actually went through the Philistine community or the Philistine nation, it would have taken two and a half to three days. And they walked, but they went around it to avoid a war. So we'll just go ahead and use the 11 days. So, but everyone would agree 11 days is a process, right? I mean, it is. So I'm not saying there's no process. I'm just saying it isn't a long-term process. Most Christians, or you can go the 40 years. Kind of a big difference between 40 years and 11 days. Most of us, including me, for most of my life, I've been on a 40-year track. It's no real progress. I mean, what's the progress? Well, you know what, man? I, I read three Christian books this year. So? I attended four Christian concerts, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I won five debates. <laughs> Tom, why are you always hung up on debates? Well, first of all, I'm a, listen, I'm drawn to debates. I'm drawn to conflict. I am. I'm not going to lie. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. It's Romans 8, 6, 7, and 8. Now, my, my, my inherent nature is conflict. I enjoy it. I don't know why. Wish I didn't. Be a much more peaceful life. But I like conflict. But I now I, I try as hard as I can to not get myself involved in conflicts with people. But a lot of Christians, their whole thing is debating things all the time. Well, I won that argument. Okay, so what, what did that do? You won, okay, you, you won what argument? Okay, you proved that Paul uh, had a wife. So what? You're debating people. You get into a debate about flat earth. You won. I don't care what side you are. So, okay. All the people still dying going straight to hell while you're arguing about flat earth. And myriad of other subjects I could bring up. It's just a distraction. You're drawn to conflict, so you get into it. Oh, that's not me. Yeah, it is. A lot of people are not interested. I could, I, could, I could bring a line of people up here who are not interested in all in that stuff. It's just you and me. Got quiet in here. Really quiet. So I'm telling you, you have, you have a decision to make. 11, 11 days or 40 years. It's a mindset. 
It's a mindset. You decide. It is not a slow process. Now, being very specific this morning is that there's a myriad of processes to a myriad of different things, and not one of them is long-term under our terms of long-term. It may take longer than we want, and a lot of times God has to Rubik's Cube us. Okay, i got to fix all the crap that they did over the last 40 years. Hello. So yeah, I ask you, which one do you want? 11 days or 40 years? If you want 11 days, it's dangerous, my friends. Dangerous, because here comes God. It's funny to watch God touch people. People have come up to be prayed for who really haven't had a whole lot of interaction with the Holy Ghost. And that's the way to go. Because a, a lot of you can't be touched by God because you're just too religious. You're just like me. I was the same way before RHB. Before Rodney Howard Brown, I was shut off and I wasn't going to be touched by God either. I was heaven bound. Miracles were happening. I laid hand on, hands on the sick and they were recovered. I was prospered. Had financial miracles. But I was, I was choosing an intimacy-free relationship with God. Solid Kenneth Hagin disciple, Andrew Walmack disciple, but I didn't want any intimacy with God. But a lot of people, they don't, they, it's, when, you, when you see them come up, and it, it's actually a good place to be. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I got filled with, the, a lot of you have been stuck and you can't speak in tongues all of these years. That's because you really don't do any training. You're like, this is gonna be a brutal message. Brutal, brutal, brutal. I don't even think I'm gonna get to the body of it. Wait till next week. Don't schedule your Christmas vacation now that I told you that. But it's good to actually not know and have no rose-colored glasses, no preconceived notions. I have people come up and you can see, they're not really experienced with God. And they look like when they get touched by the Holy Ghost, like they're on fire, like... You need to be open to what God has for you. If you choose 11 days, he's coming. And he's a consuming fire. Otherwise, just pick your 40 years, get your tent, head out to the desert, desert's miserable, and live out there. I wanna leave that place. I don't wanna live in the desert anymore. I spent, I spent most of my life in the desert. It's hot, it's sandy. I, don't even, I, I live in Florida and I hate the beach because it's sandy. Everywhere you go, I mean, you go to the beach, you have sand in your life for the next 10 days. Somewhere. There's the sand. There's the sand. There's the sand. You forget that you wore those shorts to the beach and you pull them out and then sand goes all over your, all over your floor in your house. I'm ready to get out of the desert. I'm doing all that I can to get out of there. But a lot of you don't, you listen, you, you don't even know you're in there. You spoon a cactus every night of your life. It's just comfortable to you. You're like the dung beetle rolling that big old turd across the street. To you, it's heaven. Stinks, smells. But to that dung beetle, man, that's the greatest thing in the world. Nice little ball of turd about that big, about the size of a ball bearing. Loves it. Creates it. 
molds it. That's how most of us live. And nobody ever comes up to us and says, hey, you know what you're rolling right there is a turd? That's why you come to this church. Now, what I'm talking about is process to instant. Process to instant results, instant answers, instant healing, instant provision, instant miracles. Do you want it or do you want the desert? Because you can make all these instant things processes too. Well, you know, you know, the healing took a while. No, it's never supposed to take a while. So first, let's establish... Is that Christian? Is it the kingdom of God? Is it the will of God? Is instant the will of God? Is it? People think it's not. They live like it's not. They preach like it's not. Let's look. Let's go through Matthew chapter 8. Here's the miracles in Matthew chapter 8. Starting in verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean and, look at that word, immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Depends on what translation you're looking at. That's the NIV. I don't know which one they have up there. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Actually, like instantly better. So is it the will of God for the kingdom of heaven to be installed right now? What malady, what lack is in your life right now? God wants it gone now. But you may have to go to a process to be able to operate in the instant because you're an unwound Rubik's Cube. And by the way, just so everybody knows, Tom's mean, Tom's mean, Tom's mean. I've already said it's me too. I can't be any nicer than say it's me too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll soft pedal it for everybody for a little bit. Jesus loves you. If you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, even if you live in the desert. Is that good? All right. Let's go to the next miracle. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. And Jesus had entered Capernaum. A centurion came. I'm going 8, uh, eight 5, 6, and 13. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Now down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And the servant, look at the next line. And the servant was healed when? Where are all my Bible verses? What's going on with my Bible verses, man? Everything, just take a dump back there? Is it dung beetle? I need to send the dung beetles back to the sound booth? You guys are going to have to take my word for it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. And the servant was healed at that moment. So is instant the will of God? Is instant the kingdom of God? So if it is, and you're not doing it, has the kingdom of God been installed? See, now let's bring it home. Everyone can amen. Hell, glory. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing happened in an instant, though. So now what are you going to do about it? You're going to have to go through the process. You're going to have to go through the process to get to the instant. 
Most Christians will never do that. They choose the 40 years. It's more comfortable. It's really not. It's all deception. Gosh, am I going to have time to get the delusion? Uh, maybe. How is it that I never get to any of the message? So let's establish, is instant the will of God? Because Go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. This is in the middle of the centurion miracle. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. When the centurion told Jesus, I'm a man under authority just like you. I tell people to come, they come. I tell people to go, they go. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So Jesus is establishing that instant is great faith. And there was not one person in Israel, including his own disciples, who had what the centurion had. He means what he says. I say to you, I have not found such great faith as this reprobate sinner centurion. Not in all of Israel. And what's the mark of that? Instant success. No, no, we don't operate. And where's that? What, what? Well, now we don't. Where's that? What, what, what chapter and verse is that? Well, now we don't. Where is it? I'll adopt it if it's the Bible. But I already know it's not there. Next miracle, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. When did it leave her? And she got up and began to wait on him. Jesus had some good motives there. And get that woman well, she's going to get up and wait on me. <laughs> when was she healed? Now. The kingdom of God is to be installed now. But you may have to go through process. If you're broke, what's your process going to be? How many people are broken here? Don't say Amen. Answer out loud. Answer in your own mind out loud. If you're broke and you struggle financially, what's the first question you should ask yourself? Somebody, you said it, you're right. Am I a tither? Oh, here's the pastor going after my money, not even taking an offering. How am I going after your money without taking an offering? I guarantee you I'm the only church in America not taking an offering, statistically speaking. I'm not taking an offering. Not gonna, I'm not bringing the worship team back up to sing an offering song and bring out these glorious plates now with ivy on them for Christmas, pass around the room. Not. If, you, if you're broke, and some of you are rich without tithing. That's possible. It is. But if you're broke, you, guys, you see there's different gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, 7, 8. Romans, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. There's different gifts. Some people have an administrative gift and they just get rich. That's obviously not you. So you need God. Why are you not tithing? Tell me. Oh, well, that's an Old Testament concept. You know what, Tom? I actually want to debate that that's an Old Testament concept. Congratulations on your debate winning. You're still broke. Fantastic. Why are you not tithing? You have, to, you have to be willing to receive correction and now go through process to become wealthy. It starts with tithing. And for some of you, you're gonna mix in tithing with not spending. 
Oh man, it got quiet in here. You should see the facial expressions right now. It's called delayed gratification. Not getting everything you want right now. It's a process. If you don't go through it, you'll stay broke the rest of your life. You're welcome. You're welcome. This, I know, listen, I know what I say draw, makes people leave. I don't want them to leave. I don't desire for them to leave. But I, he who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. Amen. Amen. I'm not here to flatter you. I don't flatter me. Ask any friend of mine that's in this room. There's Heather, there's Travis, there's my wife, there's Aaron, there's my kids. Francel and I have had long, detailed conversations. Ask Francel, do I flatter myself? Nobody's harder on me than me. Because I live in perpetual transparency. I have lots of faults and failings. Lying to myself is not one of them. Why am I broke? Because I don't tithe. Why am I broke? Because I spend too much. Why am I fat? M&M's. Stop saying it's your pituitary gland. I've seen you eat. It's not your gland, okay? Stop saying it's your gland. It's not your gland. Your gland does not blow you up like an Oompa Loompa on Willy Wonka's uh, chocolate factory. That doesn't do that. Stop lying to yourself. Stop living in delusion. And go through the process. Or choose your 40 years. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Next miracle. And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. So we've got healing, demon possession. Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Now, not later, that evening. That's the will of God. Get ready now for this statement because this is going to bother you, potentially. That's the will of God, instant, and if you're not performing in the instant, you're failing. Now, what are we, see how nice I am? Not everybody I lay hands on is made well either. It's unacceptable. Now, sometimes it's not me, it's them. They don't want to be made well. Or it's their unbelief. It's unbelief somewhere. And there's only one way, of out of, uh, one way out of unbelief. Process. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God has to become one with you. Most Christians, I, now, I, I, listen, I told you this is gonna be a tough message. Usually the messages around here are very light and easy. But today's <laughs> is rough. <laughs> if I lined most everybody up in this room, I lined them up and I said, in order for you, I'll make it more positive. I was going to make it really dark. I'm going to make it positive. I have a million dollars. And nobody can do anything. You know, going online, nothing. All devices are shut off. I have a million dollars. Everybody gets a million bucks. All you got to do is quote me 25 Bible verses. How many people have been saved in here more than 10 years? It's 52 weeks in a year. You can't memorize one verse a week for 52 verses. Now, who are the greatest soul winners? The word of God and the one who had the word of God memorized. Two greatest soul winners, Paul and Jesus. And most Christians, you couldn't do 10 Bible verses to get that million dollars. I could lower it down to 10 you wouldn't get it. Because Jesus is just an accent to your life. He's not, he's not consuming you. You're not receiving him. 
He's like, okay, family, um, it's dinner time. Let's say the blessings. That's your old Christianity. And you're the nicest person in the room. It's not the, that's, listen, I, I agree with being a nice person. You're like, Tom, you can't be nice. I'm actually, I'm very nice. I am. I'm an unassuming person. People think I walk through like a torrent everywhere I go. I don't. The people, you know, people in my neighborhood think of me as a nice guy, except for the one guy who hates me. Because of the dog. Dog chases a cat. Well, I mean, come on. You're going to hate me for life because my dog chased your cat? At least he didn't kill that one. dog has gotten me in more trouble than you could ever imagine. I'm not kidding you. How we are so close, I don't know. But, it, but people in my neighborhood, because I walk my neighborhood, I, I know everybody, everybody, everybody waves at me. I Listen, I agree with being a nice person, but that's, all, that's not all there is to Christianity. Especially when your niceness trumps what you're supposed to say. When you're supposed to preach the word of God, when? Instantly, in season, out of season, popular or not. You got a cousin who's wearing a mask and the Lord opens the door? Listen, I remember, I've told you this story before, but I remember going down to Miami with Pastor Rodney and we're sitting in the, the largest church I've ever seen. I mean, I... I got saved, I got saved here, but my early Christianity was in Orlando. There's lots of big churches in Orlando. This is the largest facility I've ever seen. I mean, it rivals uh, Joel Osteen's building. It's huge. Square footage-wise, huge, and it's this giant campus. It sits 15,000 people in the sanctuary. It's insane. And they had been absolutely decimated by their COVID response, decimated. It was an all Hispanic church, so Pastor Rodney had to have an interpreter. So they're speaking in Espanol. Most amazing interpreter I've ever seen. She could flow back and forth, because he would mess with her and start speaking Spanish himself, and then she'd switch to English on the spot. On, never miss a word, never miss a word. She's amazing, like a genius. But he went up and said to them, this, this, the entire congregation is there masked. You're like, Tom, you were there in a church that was masked? Yeah, I was there. We, we flowed, you know, he flew down there because they wanted him to speak. And I'm like, you really want to unleash that in your room? Because this is going to go ugly now. <laughs> is anybody, anybody more bold than me? It's Rodney Howard Brown. There's like no holds barred. None. Zero. I've seen him. Get your mask off. In his search, in his, get your mask off or leave the building. Even I haven't done that. Where, you know where I got shove it up your rectum? Him. It's his fault. It's my, my pastor. It's it. I was just blame Pastor Rodney. That's the first service I ever went to. He's talking about QR codes on phones. He's like, just take your cell phone, lube it up with Vaseline, and shove it up your own rectum. That's what he said from the pulpit. First, first message I ever heard him preach. I'm like, that's my guy. That's him. <laughs> the rest of my life, there's my pastor. But he goes in there, and there's, I don't know how many people there are, 2,000, something like that, 2,000 people, 
all masked, all masked. And he came up and he said, listen, basically I'll just summarize. He goes, if you want the blessings of God, if you want God to reignite this church, he looked at them all and he said, you've got to take the mosque. That's how he talks, off. You tell them what they need to hear. Not what they want to hear. You'll leave them in delusion for the rest of their life. And you start walking, you look around that sanctuary, people just started. They were imprisoned with delusion. Absolute prison. When evening came, many who were deemed possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. He did it then. And then look at the following verse. Verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him. Why do we not have crowds around us? Because we don't operate in the instant. What good does it do? People, people don't want, you know what? I mean, I mean, look at our culture. Everything's instant. Everything. If you don't get it the next day from Amazon Prime, you're torqued. I marked Express on that thing. I'm getting, where is it? I'm tracking it. And we go up and offer people a God who's great when you're dead. He, listen, I know that you're broke. I know that your kids are a mess. They're on drugs. You're on the verge of divorce. You've got this ailment. But you know what? I've got a God for you. He's great when you're dead. When you're dead, he's great. Only you'll be dead in 30, 40. You go up, to, you go up and tell a 35-year-old single mom that. Who's got an illness? Who's broke? Whose baby daddy doesn't pay his child support? And you go, hey, you know what? No problem. I know that you have stage, stage three cancer, broke, and your kids are drug, are drug addicts, but you know what? I've got a God for you. He's great, because you're going to live till your average age of death in America is 77, so you're 35. So you know what, like, 30, uh, like 40 years from now, 42 years from now, God's going to be great for you then. Just wait. That's what Christians say. Just wait. Who wants that? And I would preach it if that's what God wanted. It's not what we, that's not Christianity. And if you're not operating in the instant, you're failing. And if you don't say that to yourself, you're never going to succeed because you're inoculating yourself to success. You'd rather be delusional. You're welcome. Oh, good, I am going to get to delusion. Just looked at my notes here. Hot dog. So now we've established, I believe, that instant is Christian. Instant is the will of God. Instant is the kingdom of God. Would everybody agree? But there's a process that you have to go through to get to the instant. Processed instant. Yes. If you had gotten saved when you were four, and your nose was in the Bible, and you studied, and you never fell away, there'd be no process for you. You'd be ready to go. But if you're like me, and you spent your first 18 years as a reprobate, then there's a process that you have to go through to get to the instant. And what happened with me was, I started the process when I was 18. Then I, got, then I was playing football at the University of Central Florida. Then I got my job at the sheriff's office. Get married, have kids, all those different things. 
And the process was slowed or stopped. And again, I tell you this, my wife always wants me to temper these things because she says, you make yourself look so bad when you're actually more exceptional. I was considered to be an exceptional person. I started a church with nothing. People, people mocked me, Tom, starting Tom Lightley, starting a church. Well, I don't know, that's not up to me. God told me to do it. You know what it's like for God to tell you to do something and try to ignore him? You're not, you're not gonna ignore God. Eventually he gives you an ultimatum. Do it or don't do it, but never discuss it with me again. Which is how it went with me. I ignored, ignored, ignored. I'm like, no, Lord, I'm not starting a church. Come on, hey, God, Lord, it's me. I'm not even a nice person. You want me to pastor people? I'm a loner, God. You, you want me to pastor people? Yeah, I want you to pastor people. All right, that's what you want. And people, so people considering me to be exceptional, know the Bible better than, than a lot of people, whatever. But the thing is, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. For, first of all, God's not a respecter of persons. So there's not one exceptional person in the room. He looks at you all as joint heirs with Jesus. Pretty high level. Pretty high level. Only let us live up to what we've already attained, though. How many of us are living up to it? Philippians 3.16. If you're not, which I'm not, you need to say it out loud. And say, you know what, either I'm not living up to it, and I'm going to choose to not live up to it for the rest of my life, or I'm going to start, or I choose the 11 days. The process, there's a process to go through and there's pitfalls to avoid. And that's what I'm gonna close with in the next 17 to 20 minutes and we'll be done, something like that. So the process will start in Philippians chapter three, verse seven. And then we're gonna hop right into delusion. Now I will say this, before you make yourself immune to delusion, or you think that a delusion doesn't apply to you, as your friend, I'm telling you right now, it does. Now, would everybody agree that I'm in this room? Yeah. All right, good. There's not one person in this room that's not, that is not operating in some measure of delusion right now. Not one. So here's the process. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse seven. I don't know if we'll get to verse eight today. But I've got other verses we're gonna look at. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul did not choose. Now listen, Paul was the favored person, a Pharisee of Pharisees. When people ooed and awed at him. How many of you could lay that down? People ooing and aahing. Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm trying to pick up, uh, I'll, I'll just pick Travis. Oh, that's Travis Kona. Most people could never lay that down. Ooing and on, pretty wealthy. He just laid it down. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ because you know what he recognized? That previous life was a delusion. Amen. I'm gonna lay it down. I'm gonna lay it down. Most Christians, you need to, I've been picking on Christian movies a lot. Stop living the life of a Christian movie character. Amen. <laughs> Stop living the life. You, you look the part. You got your Bible fish cover. You go to a mandatory three Chris Tomlin concerts a year. Stop living that life 
and live one of intimacy with God where he can come in and tell you yay or nay. He's not gonna come in you all the time and say, you're sinning, you're wrong. He's gonna come in a lot, God tells me all the time where I'm right. All the time, he'll say, you know what? You're right on that. I love you. You are blessed, you're highly favored. Expect an answer. It's not always correction, like Tom, you're blowing it, but when I blow it, I hear it. So pitfall number one is delusion. The process stops, stops at delusion. Stops. The process to instant, instant results, instant miracles, instant answers, instant salvations, instant healings, instant provision, stops at delusion. Off. Your own delusion or following delusion. And there are very few churches that you can watch right now that are not ushering in delusion. And when I say delusion, that's synonymous with deception. So whether it's your own delusion or following delusion, it is a major pitfall and you will never get to the instant. You remove yourself from the process to the instant. Do you want to know if you're delusional? Pretty good response, solid D minus. It's not enough. Passed. Do you want to know if you're delusional? All right, it's very simple. And again, I'm laying sweet groundwork for you. I'm delusional. How do you know? Simple, simple, write this down or go back and watch it on the recording and then write it down. Delusion is believing you are right with no verifying evidence. That's delusion. Believing you are right with no verifiable fruit that you are. That's delusion. If there is no fruit that says that you are correct, and you believe that you are, you're delusional. You're not delusional if you go, you know what? I'm just a piece of crap. I know it and I like it. (laughs) I know people like that. I'm good with people like that. I love people like that. I had a friend of mine at the sheriff's office before he recommitted his life to the Lord. He was running around, sleeping with everything that moved, even if it wasn't moving. (laughs) And he, he would tell me, Great cop, too. A lot of cops are rough people. It's a tough life. You live in the septic world. It's a tough life. You know, you don't know that sort of thing unless you're in a, in a, in a war like Travis or something like that. And listen, you don't know. It's a rough life. People get very hardened when you're cleaning up dead bodies and brains splattered all over the wall. It's a tough life. All right? So they get hard-hearted. But this is a cop friend of mine. I said to him, you know, you need to get your life right with God. He goes, you know, this thing. He goes, I know. And he goes, this is, this is a backslidden Pentecostal, could speak in tongues anytime he wanted. He said, I know. He goes, I know that if I died right now, I split the gates of hell wide open. I know it, but I'm just, I don't want it. I don't want to. All right, we're good. We're good. He did recommit his life. He's doing great now. But I'm just saying, we got to remarry and all that stuff. But, and, he went, and, and he knew every time he was near me, oh boy. Here it comes. Here it comes. But he's, he, he's not delusional. 
He's going to hell, but he's not delusional. And if you're not delusional, you have a much higher chance of going to heaven than if you're delusional. Delusion is believing you are right with no verifying evidence. If you are right on Christianity, these signs will follow those who believe. If you're like, well, you know, I've established myself. I've got a good job and I've got a good house and I go on, I have, I have a, a 1.5 car garage and I go on 1.5 vacations a year on average. So you say, you know what, I'm solid? No, it says these signs will follow those who believe. It didn't say vacations. It didn't say houses, cars, or aspirations. It said these signs will follow those who believe. In, in my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I can use a myriad of other verses that will show you that's the will of God. If that's not happening, look at me, look at me, look at me. If that's not happening, you're failing. That's why I said I wasted 50 years. We walk around with the answer and never delve it out. We don't even ask to. Philemon 1.6, pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. We don't even ask. And yet you have not because you ask, ask God to open doors for you and watch what happens. You, a lot of people don't want to be bothered. They don't want to share their faith because if they do, they'll lose the relationship. So now you know whether you're delusional or not. I think of myself as a solid Christian. Okay, are those, are those, these signs will follow those who believe. That's basic Christianity. Are those signs there? Yeah, but Tom, I go to coffee houses and we sing worship songs together. <laughs> Everybody thinks of me as the nicest person in every room I go to, which is probably delusion that you think that anyway. <laughs> Some of you really need to go up to somebody that you trust. And go up to them and say, hey, what am I as a person? Classify me. <laughs> am I annoying, weird, nice, pleasant? Ask them. Nasty, moody. Who do you trust? Shout the name out right now. I'm not going to know. Who do you trust? Shout the name out. Shout the name out. Shout the name out. Hope. Hope. I trust Hope. I trust Tommy. I trust Norma. I'd ask them anything. They'll tell me. I get kicked in the teeth in my house all the time. All the time, because it's open communication. All the time. I hear from Tommy, Dad, if there's anybody who's not gonna tell me about, you know what, letting something bother them, it's gonna be you. It's good. All the time. Because I've let things bother me so much in front of him that I don't have the right to even go up to him anymore and say, get over, come on, just get over it, move on. You don't. It's open. I don't live in delusion. He's right. I did some good things as his dad, but I also did some really stupid things as his dad. I don't live in delusion because the fruit's not there. Luke 6, 44. Still talking about delusion. For a tree is known, it's the amplified version. I love this version. For a tree is known and identified we got to put up the right versions, guys. I gave you these as the right versions. It's not your fault in the back. I'll blame somebody. I'll find out who to blame afterwards. 
And then I'm coming like hellfire. I'm kidding. I never do. But next time we got to have the right verses up. Because I gave it in the Amplified. For each tree is known and identified by its own fruit. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes. A lot of people think, man, I'm, I'm a fig tree. I'm a, no, you're actually a thorn bush. Go ask the person. Who are you going to ask? Shout, shout their name again. Who are you going to ask? All right, ask them. Thorn bush or fig tree? For figs are not picked from thorn bushes. A tree is known by exclusively, not by the tree's thoughts of itself. Tree sitting there going, I, you know, I believe that I'm a, I'm a fig tree. No, you're a thorn bush. But I believe I'm a fig tree, so therefore it is. No, you, that's going to survive judgment. No, God's going to tell you the moment you get there. No, you're always a thorn bush. And by the way, you knew you were a thorn bush, and you chose to live in delusion and say you're a fig tree. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes, nor is a cluster of grapes picked from a briar bush. A tree is known exclusively by its fruit, and you cannot cheat the Lord of the harvest. You will only reap what you sow. You cannot cheat God, no matter what you believe. If you are a thorn bush, you will never produce a fig. If you are a briar bush, you will never produce a cluster of grapes. It will not happen. You will not cheat the Lord of the harvest. That's why you may have people that you've encompassed into your delusion. Okay, I'm gonna call you nice, even though I know that you're not to keep peace in the house. But you're not gonna cheat God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. Then go to Matthew 9, 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. Can't cheat the Lord of the harvest. You can draw other people into your delusions, but you can't cheat God. He's not delusional. You will reap exclusively what you sow. If, you're, if you are reaping nothing as a Christian, salvations, healings, miracles, these signs will follow those who believe. But you're, Now, if you're like me and you're going, I failed, you're good. At least you're not delusional. You're not where you're supposed to be, but you have a chance of getting to where you're supposed to be. But if you're telling yourself, you know what? Yeah, I'm rock solid. I'm a rock solid. Yeah, nobody ever gets saved around me. I never bring anybody to church. No miracles, no salvations, no healings, nothing. But you know what? I am, I'm rock solid because every year I read so-and-so's books. I would love to name names right now, but you know I'm not allowed. You're not solid. You're delusional. Your delusion is calling yourself solid. How's the Lord gonna consume you? You have a heart of stone that needs to be turned into a heart of flesh and you're, and you're saying, my heart's flesh already. How's a heart of stone that needs to become flesh gonna become flesh if it believes it's already flesh? You gotta just go, you know what, Lord? I choose not to be. You know how dangerous delusion is? Let me show you how dangerous delusion is. I'll do this in closing, I think. This is the first closing at 1207. <laughs> Let me just show you this. Seems a little off topic, but I want to show you how dangerous delusion can be. This is in Revelation chapter 9, 20 through 21. Revelation chapter 16, 9 through 11. 
And this is as the seals, I'm not getting into, don't come up to me at the door, Tom, this is at this particular seal, and this is at this particular trumpet. No, not interested. I'm just saying, this is as the seals, and as the trumpets, and as the bowls are being unleashed on the earth. All right? You're like, Tom, why do you always give, why do you use the, you know, put out those proactive statements? Because I know, 1987, been pastoring this church for 20 years, got saved in 1987. Christians who never get anybody saved in their life will go out there and debate you about the book of Revelation. Again, and you can't, it's a debate you never can win because the word of God says you can't win it. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So keep your mouth shut. Unless you're doing a Bible study on it and everyone's having an open discussion. So I'm just telling you that. So that could be the delusion that you need to get past, is that you believe that you're accomplishing things by winning debates. And you're probably not winning them anyway. I've had a lot of people that think they walk away from me and they never quoted one Bible verse. Boy, I really showed him that he was wrong. I quoted 17 Bible verses showing that you were completely and totally wrong. You quoted nothing. You said absolutely nothing but, well, I think and well, I believe. Those need to be spun sideways and shoved up your own caboose. <laughs> so as the seals and the trumpets and the bulls are unleashed on the earth, Revelation 9, 20 through 21. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. It's right-wing conspiracy. It's not right-wing conspiracy, folks. It's the Bible. It's gonna happen. But the rest of mankind who, did not, who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which could neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of, of their murders or of their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. God's wrath is being poured out on the earth where people are dying by the, to, the, to the tune of blood's being spilled to a horse's bridle, and people don't repent. It's obvious that it's God doing it, and they don't repent. That's delusion. A lot of you think that people would kill to get out of hell. They think they're right now. They're burning in hell for all of eternity, still believing they're right. They might discover it at the great white throne judgment. This is my opinion. See how clear I am? Maybe they'll discover at the great white throne judgment, whoops, where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. I get that. Maybe. But I, I, my opinion is, people in hell right now are like, you know, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I did everything right. I, I received Buddha as my Lord and Savior. Why am I here? I was a, great, I was, I was a good person. I did lots of good works. Revelation 16, 9 through 11. And men were scorched with great heat. What was their response? And they blasphemed the name of God. Who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The men were scorched with great heat, and the response is to blaspheme God. That's delusion. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Proverbs 19.3. That's delusion. 
It's the same delusion of, I just don't understand why God didn't move. I do. Why don't you? Listen, if I was a rocket scientist, you know what I would have been? A rocket scientist. If I could figure this out, so can you. I never say, I don't know why God didn't do it. Ever. Because the, because the explanation is in Scripture. It's either I failed or I didn't fail. Can't be God. The fifth bowl, darkness and pain. Then the fifth angel poured out. This is going to make sure I give you chapter and verse. Revelation 16, 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. You're like, once you're gnawing your tongue, maybe it's time to repent. Now we laugh at this, and I mean you to laugh at it, but a lot of us are symbolically gnawing our tongues, and we still won't repent. We've lost our families. We're not where we're supposed to be with God. We're broke, whatever it may be. We're miserable, full of anxiety, full of depression, bipolar, or whatever other false name you want to put on it. And instead of repenting, we gnaw our tongue. Why don't we just say, you know what? I can't do it without you, God. Because you know what? You can't. And the reason why you're trying to do it on your own is because it's your pride that's going before your very destruction. You can't cheat. You cannot cheat the Lord of the harvest. You can't. Your pride will go before destruction. And all you need to do is go, Lord, I can't do it without you. I can't. Where the heck was I? They gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And what was their response? Verse 11. Again, make sure I'm giving you chapter and verse. Revelation 16, 11 now. Their response to gnawing their tongues was they blasphemed God. That's a level of delusion. A lot of you are holding back. You're holding back right now. I don't know about this. I may try the Christianity thing. I may not. I don't know. Listen, stop gnawing your tongue. And just say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I'm running to you. You're not designed to do life without God. Worship team, you can make your way. They blaspheme God. That was their response. They blaspheme the God of the heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. That is delusion. That's delusion. So all you need to do is start the process. Paul said, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. My hands are off my life. I'm a living sacrifice. How can your hands be on your life if you are a Romans chapter 12, verse one, living sacrifice? Let it go. Get in the process to the instant. How many of you, I'm done. How many of you want to go, someone comes up to you and goes, you know what? They have a visible tumor. And you don't want to say, well, you know what? Here's a doctor I know. He's a Christian doctor, I know. He's great. He'll be praying with you while he's giving you chemo. And God bless those people. I love doctors and nurses. I really do. They blew themselves up a lot when it came to COVID, but I love those people. This doctor, you know, he's great. He'll pray with you while you're in chemo. No, how would you, wouldn't you rather go up there and put your hand on that tumor and watch it disappear? That's the will of God. That's the will of God. 
But will you enter into the process? We can clap it, we can amen it, but the question is, here at 1216, on what is it, Aaron, December 3rd? On December 3rd, 2023, will you enter into the process right after the service? And say, you know what, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Would you rather have that? What's, what's the next verse? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, that's process. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and, some, some, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not as though I had already attained. But I follow after that, that person, Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, but I follow after the person of whom I am apprehended by. That's what you do. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Hear the process? That's the process to get to greatness. But you've got to enter into it. Philippians chapter three, verse 12, said, Paul says, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect but I follow after it to apprehend it. That's what he's doing. There it is right there. Not, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold, laid hold of me. There you go. Process, process, process. Who's, who's joining? Who's getting in? This world that is now 45 months into 15 days to flatten the curve, needs to see Christians operate in power, not kindness, not capitulation, not cooperation, power. That's what it needs. That's what the world needs. How many of us care? You know, I'm gonna read you this. I gotta read you this before we go. I'll close quickly today. I'll close quickly today. How many of us want the refining fire of God? I promise you, I'm closing early. You'll be out of here. It's 12.18. You'll be out of here by 12.25 at the latest. Everybody good? All right, there you go. How many of you want the refining fire of God? Because you can choose. The devil is always a counterfeit. You can choose the devil's fire. Or you can choose the refining fire of God. Or you can choose the judgment fire of God. Let me show you why it is that you and I need to be operating in the instant, and this is where I'm closing. Proverbs chapter 24, 10 through 12. Here it is. If you are slack, this amplified version, if you are slack, careless, in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. How many of us are rescuing people? People have to cooperate, but how many of us are doing all that we can to rescue people? Rescue those who are being taken away to death and those who stagger to the slaughter. Oh, you always look at the Bible when it uses words like, oh, because it's saying like, this is so important. Oh, hold them back. 
Hold them back. All those people, 17 million are documented to have died of the vaccine. Oh, hold them back from their doom. If you claim, verse 12, ignorance and say, see, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs and examines the hearts and their motives? And does he not know, know it who guards your life and keeps your soul? And he will not repay you and every man according to their works. Ezekiel 33, 8 and 9, when I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways. That wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. It is our responsibility to operate in power. That's how you rescue people. That's how you say to the wicked man, turn from your sin. Look at the power of God. Look how the power of God melted that tumor. Not just my words, Jesus saves. No, that's, do you realize Jesus never did that? Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That needs to be us. How many of us wonder that process today? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with, let me do this first. How many of you are jumping into the process? Raise both your hands up into the air. Amen. Lord, for each and every one with their hands lifted in the air, I pray that you strengthen them, encourage them. Holy Spirit, be right there, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Be with them. Strengthen them. Do not let them veer from the path. Strengthen them to not turn to the right side or to the left. Keep them on the path that they would be a powerful, miracle worker, servant, vessel of yours. Pray this for each and every one until the work is done in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get your life right with God today, if you're living in sin, this is it. Yeah, but Tom, I said a sinner's prayer when I was 14. Yeah, but you're 47 now and you're living in sin. That's a hell-bound state. It's called backslidden. Or maybe you weren't ever saved to begin with. It's one of the two. If that's you, you need to get your life right with God today. Nobody's gonna know. I'm not gonna bring you forward. I'm not gonna have you stand to your feet. I'm not gonna have you publicly testify. I'm gonna ask you to do two physical things. If you've fallen away from God or you've never been saved, I'm talking to you right now. Saved means all of your sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's saved. If you need to have your sins forgiven this afternoon, this is your time. I'm not gonna have you stand. I'm not gonna bring you to the front. I'm not taking you to a back room. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but I'm not having you do any of those things. I'm gonna ask you to do two physical things. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands. I'm gonna ask you to pray. That's it, right where you're seated. And the only one that can see your hand is me. You're like, I don't want you to know, Tom, that, I, that I'm not right with God. Well, Tom wasn't always right with God either. I can't be disgusted by your sin. Because I myself have been guilty of sin. God can be disgusted by sin. I can't. So if you're ready to get your life right with God, you want to talk about process, you're ready to begin the abundant life that God promises. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. If you're ready for that, you're ready to get your life right with God, right where you are seated. Now listen, I don't want you to do this sheepishly. Right where you're at. 
You're ready to get your life right with God. Stretch your hand proudly into the air, right where you're at. That's it, awesome. There it is, good, good, good. Got you, hands all over the room. Got you, got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. God bless you, you can put them down. Very proud of you. Everybody, I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud. The entire church is gonna pray it out loud. Those of you that raised your hands, pray it, mean it, and you are saved. You are born again. You are right with God. You are recommitted, whatever applies to you. Everybody together, here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on, one more time, from this day on, in Jesus' name. Church shouts, good stuff, lots of people. Right? Everybody stand with me. Now again, I wouldn't want to ask you to do anything to make you uncomfortable. Just kidding. Whether you're comfortable with it or not, I want you to do this. I may untuck my shirt. If you see fish belly white, I apologize. Get those things up there. So high, get them high. Like you're surrendering to law enforcement. Is this what this is? Surrendering to God. Pray this, I'm just, I'm gonna pray over you. Lord, they're receiving. Their hands are up in the air in surrendered reception. Lord, I pray over them right now. From this December 3rd to December 10th, I pray over each and every human being in this room, the blessings of God, the victory of God, the abundance of God, to the place where there will not be room enough to receive it in the greatest week of our lives. In Jesus' name, church shouts. Love you.